Welcome to Have You Seen This, the world's only podcast about obscure, overlooked, and misbegotten visual media. All discussions will be spoiler heavy. You have been warned. Welcome to Have You Seen This. Uh, I'm Tim. Uh, Jen said she didn't want to have anything to do with this episode, but instead uh, we brought in a replacement um, uh, author, um, uh, uh, what, TV presenter, online troll, Mike Rosen. Hey, how's it going? Hey, back again. I'm excited to be here. Um, well, it's because we pay you so much. Well, yeah. <laughs> this is where you get the big bucks. All that yeah. big this is where all the, uh, that podcasting money you make goes to, for paying that... for these uh, exquisite guests you get. Yeah, that big podcasting circle jerk where everyone's a guest on everyone else's show. <laughs> that's pretty much what. Well, you know, that's how that's how the business works. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a business about friendships, about relationships. Um, so uh, for this episode, uh, you know, we've been doing a lot of really you know highbrow, uh, inaccessible stuff that's been really difficult for for our listeners. So we're going to do something that's that's much more accessible. Uh, we're going to examine uh, Ernest Goes to Camp. <laughs> the uh, the the best of the or or possibly the the good of the Ernest movies. It, it was the one that really set the mold. Although I do have to say that uh, it it led um, into a you know bigger Ernest empire. Um, you know they introduced more characters, more gags. They expanded you know the Ernest diverse a little yeah. bit in in later movies. But yeah, the uh, the direct video ones were kind of on a uh, on a sliding scale after that. Yeah. Um, all the core elements of the uh, Ernest mythos are present in this one, though. Right. Yeah. The um, him him basically being a uh, good-natured, inept uh, uh, doofus, a a know-it-all who knows very little. Yes. Um. Oh yeah, and you know that's that's pretty much all you need to know about Ernest. Uh, he also has, you know, the the only other recurring element of Ernest is uh, the fat guy and the thin guy hanging out with them sometimes. Yeah, uh, I think they were. Uh, jake and bobby so yeah not in the camp one in the camp it was jake and eddie but in other Ernest movies it is jake and bobby because they got a new brother apparently yeah and and bobby was really what made it he 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 was like this he was like a um like one of those uh shriveled grandma apples yeah he's like one of those dudes who can like eat his own nose you know yeah he just had one of those faces he didn't really say anything he was just weird yeah, I think he was in the, um, if I remember correctly, there was an Ernest TV series, and I think Jake and Bobby were in that. Um, yeah. So, I, and, and that came after Ernest Goes to Camp. So Yeah, that was, mm -hmm. it, uh, you know, I was going to say, yeah, because to, to examine, like, part of the reason that we're talking about this, apart from my adolescent love of Ernest Goes to Camp, was just how, um, like, the, the story behind Ernest is, is pretty interesting, because he was he was saturated like he he came from you know obscurity doing like car commercials and like you know regional ads for like theme parks um and but then him just doing this character just blew up and until you know he's he became kind of this um viral pitchman yeah and uh and and it was kind of in, in the time of like uh 
you, you could put him on, on on par with I don't know like Alf or like you know Bart Simpson T-shirts or like uh, Pee Wee Herman. Yeah, no, I mean that that's that's fair. In the late '80s, he was huge. You could really overestimate how big Ernest was. But I always thought it was very strange because I could be wrong on this. But I've never seen anyone else that's basically a pitch man for multiple products because usually yeah. a product has a character, you know, and he just pitches that product like, you know, Tony the Tiger or like the Michelin Man or something. But Ernest like yeah, pitched multiple Clean. products like cars and orange juice. And I think he did Pepsi at one point. Yeah, he did a cancer ad. I mean, you know, not in favor, but. <laughs> How ironic considering... Yeah. You know, there's that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Dear departed uh, Jim Varney, you know. Yeah, yeah, left us at 50 in, in 2000, which, I mean, you know, better him for, you know, uh, pulling his ripcord before the end times. Yeah, yeah. He got, you it, know. got it while the getting was good. And yeah. <laughs> Avoiding the rush. <clears throat> yeah, and he, um, he, he, I do appreciate, you know, it's kind of that, that self-made success. Um, you know, like, he... Not just, you know, comparing him to like, you know, Pee Wee Herman or like Bart Simpson, but he's kind of also like Elvira in that kind of like character that like is this person who who just kind of exists and they're interesting, but you're not really sure what they do. Yeah. So Yeah, yeah, that that's pretty that's that's a good way to describe <laughs> Ernest. Because uh he started in commercials and mm -hmm. the the gimmick in the Ernest commercial <laughs> is that he would Literally, all I think he was always just coming in and telling his neighbor Vern about something that Vern should be buying. Yeah, just like just extemporaneously, just holding forth on something, which um, there there's a uh, there's a quote uh where um where where Jim Varney describes uh, Ernest from uh, IMDb. If I can read that. Um, it says Ernest is a neighbor or relative that we've all had at one time. He's abrasive, but he doesn't mean to be. He gets excited and ends up standing on your toes. I try to make him clownish and don't want him to be too low-key. He's physically funny. So, yeah, he's he's this sort of overexcited doofus who, like, really wants to tell you about something, even though it's like, hey, buddy, I didn't ask. Yeah. Um, I think that probably is, you know, the genius of Ernest is that, like, even in the commercials, you do get that sense that, like, this is a, um, you know, you only see him on screen for, like, you know, half a minute or something, and he's he's basically, like, yelling at you to buy a product. But yeah. he comes across as, you know, a well-meaning, um, you know, good-hearted annoyance. And yeah. that's probably why he, he has so much staying power that he made the jump from commercials to film. Um, I don't know how many other characters have done that other than, you know, Max Headroom, maybe? Yeah. Yeah, I mean he's he's yeah, he's, he's charming and he's well-intentioned and um and you can see there's kind of a uh consistency in a lot of um like the character of Ernest the to to jump uh about two-thirds of the way into the movie um he is uh cuz we haven't even described him Ernest going to camp. Um, no. <laughs> he's he's trying to demonstrate to the uh you know to the ragtag group of kids how to how to sharpen a knife. And, you know, he, he holds forth on you know, all the uh, intricacies and details of it, like he's some kind of expert. And then when he gets down to it, he just cuts his hand open. <laughs> so that is like the quintessence of Ernest right there. Yeah. Um, it's funny because, uh, you know, um, if you haven't seen the Ernest movies, you can and just know of Ernest through, you know, the, the cult cultural osmosis. 
Yeah. Like we know of many things where it's like, oh, it's a thing that's out there. Uh, people kind of assume like, oh, Ernest is this dumb guy. And yeah. when you watch the movies, it's like, oh, he's he's it's actually interesting because he's like an extremely erudite, you know, um, kind of pompous windbag almost. Yeah. But just extremely klutzy. So it's it's not really what you would think because it's like um, he's well, yet. He, yeah. He's, At he's any al- point. Mm-hmm. No, go ahead. I was going to say, he's always, like, inventing stuff, and it's like, wow, this guy's, like, really, really smart, really clever. Yeah, it's like, you know, pre, um, you know, maker movement stuff. Yeah. And, and, and you don't, like, get down on him for being, because he is, you know, kind of a pompous windbag, but it's that, in every instance, he's, like, immediately, like, he, he, he is the agent of his own comeuppance. He's kind of wily e. Coyote in a way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, you know, he's, like, um, he's... He, yeah, I, I think that's why, again, why, why you kind of like him. It's like, oh, he, he screwed up and he hurt himself. But yeah, you, you can't stay mad at someone who's kind of like their own worst enemy in a way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but um, so, so, so do we know? So what do we know about Ernest going to camp? I mean, what is the genesis of all this? Or Well, is there... well I, I know that I had seen it. Um, and I wanted to watch it with my friend Josh when I was about 11. Um, and we went to the video store and we, we rented it. Um, we went there with Josh's dad and, um, you know, Josh, Josh's dad is like, well, you know, you can also watch this other movie Hoosiers. It's about, you know, Indiana basketball team and, you know, the Cinderella story and they come from behind and, you know, it's, it's very enriching. And Josh and I are like, yeah okay whatever um, we, we just want to watch Ernest so we watched Ernest twice and Hoosiers zero times um, I still to this day have not seen Hoosiers because I didn't care then like you know read the room Josh's dad <laughs> not interested in Indiana basketball huh yeah yeah I just did not care so I, I like though that he was like well you could watch Ernest if you enjoyed Ernest you'll also enjoy Indiana yeah. basketball because yeah, there's this... natural like companion pieces yeah, this movie that you express no interest in that has nothing in common with it. Why don't you watch this one too? Like, I don't know. Uh, and part of rewatching this because up until this point, I had counted. I had watched Ernest Goes to Camp thirteen times. Um, back when I used to count the number of times I'd watched a movie before, you know, I'd seen um, you know uh, Future Force uh, more times than I care to care to count. But but this time watching it for this episode, it makes marks marks the 14th time that i've seen this um and part of the part of this exercise is is kind of answering the question like can you go home again like am i going to appreciate this movie in the same way now as i did when i was 11 Mm. so so what's the answer i guess well i well not to yeah here we can cut this episode uh short by uh about 120 (laughs) minutes and just say yes yeah holds up Uh, (laughs) because 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 there are gags in it where I'm like, oh, oh, he's going to do a thing. Oh, I remember this part. <laughs> yeah, um, I saw this movie the first time. Yeah, probably about the same thing when I was, you know, 11 or 12 or something. Yeah. And, you know, I liked it. I, I then forgot about it and mm-hmm. uh, saw it again and literally just was like, oh, yeah, it's Ernest. It's like the for some reason I was convinced. Oh, yeah. Ernest goes to camp is the bad one. Ernest goes to jail is the good one. And then I wow. watched them as adults and it was like. No, that's not the case at all. Ernest goes to camp is the good one. Ernest goes to jail is acceptable. And then every other Ernest is awful. Right, yeah. Well, you know, you're judging, like, a, a, a band by their debut album, you know, before they really found their voice. I mean, 
You might hold it against Ernest Goes to Camp in that it doesn't have as many of the, like, Ernest characters mm. in it. But, you know, I think that that's great that, you know, in later um, in later cinema outings and in the TV show, you know, they uh, they expanded the range of characters. Yeah. I mean, th- th- this movie, the only criticism I would have of it is, like, yeah, there's no Dust Bunny. There is no uh, bit where Ernest goes to the barber and asks to look like a <laughs> Wall Street tycoon. Um <laughs> We don't get what's her name, the lady in the neck brace. She does not. Yeah, this. yeah, or Doctor Otto with the hand on his head. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That always tripped me out as a kid. Because I'm like, whose hand is that? <laughs> she's just wearing a hand, you know. Yeah, you, do. you know, like you do. Yeah, the lady with the neck brace, because she appears in um, Ernest Goes to Jail, and I'm sure others. Yeah, but this one, it's just, it's. Um, I feel like this one, they were trying to make an actual movie. As opposed to you know an earnest um, a, a series of earnest does wacky shit. This is one yeah, where yeah. they're like, we have a plot, we have like arcs, we have theme. We're, we're gonna make a real movie, guys. Yeah, and you know they they were able to cut out the parts they didn't need, and then just you know make it more distilled earnest. You know, yeah. for for better or worse. Yeah. Um. So this is this is a movie a, a type of movie that was kind of it's it's very of its time very 80s the camp movie i don't think they make camp movies anymore yeah does anyone go to camp Mm. anymore is the question like because yeah if you know not just like you know friday the 13th but you know like sleepaway camp well like uh meatballs i think the whole meatball series were camp movies but i mean this is like i guess like like camp comedies they were like like sex comedies were a big thing and yeah so this is like this this is it's not a parody of a camp movie it's basically just a camp a clean camp movie almost yeah but it's your usual like slobs versus snobs storyline with like true um, you know camp uh accoutrements like bad cooking which yeah um, yeah and you have you know the snobs being the camp counselors who are all very um you know sort of uh bart okavanaugh archetypes (laughs) Uh, (laughs) and then you have the slobs who are actually like they're supposed to be like inner city toughs, but they all kind of have like this, like they're an eighties multi-ethnic new wave gang. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they, they've all got the, um, they, they have great fashion sense though. They do the thing like wearing like, um, they do. Yeah. Sunglasses There's... and those ties that don't without collars, you know, like a yeah. Barbera character. Yeah. Um, like the skinny tie and the vest with the buttons. I mean, yeah, yeah this guy, this guy, like one of the kids, the delinquents, like he walked out of a John Hughes movie. <laughs> I think my favorite one is the, the one delinquent who's always wearing like a belly shirt. Yeah, back when that was a thing that you know was completely normal. <laughs> it is great when like because Ernest has to pick them up, and they're like these kids have been in and out of you know institutions since they were like ten years old, and it's like, well, they're what eleven now? Yeah, they are ten years old. Yeah, it's like these are because I was like when when we were watching it, and I was like, oh yeah, I remember. I think it's like teenagers or something. It's like no, they're literal children. Yeah, it's like how bad of a kid can these kids be? They never actually explain what some of them did though, because um, oh, straight up murder. Yeah, they, like yeah, there's they, there's the one who's the ringleader, and there's the uh-huh. the Albert Einstein of crime who never does anything at all, indicating that he's like some sort of criminal genius in the entire movie. Right. I think it's well, just like oh, he's the fat one, so he's smart. Yeah, well, they they push a, a lifeguard off his post and they give Ernest a bouquet of poison ivy. These, so these, yeah, it's pretty uh, pretty irredeemable stuff. Yeah, 
this um the the yeah the whole point of the movie they're second chancers right yeah so they are they are gonna they um they are going to camp is an alternative to going to jail this this movie is um this is a movie that takes a strong stance against punitive justice in the carceral state. So, you know, good on earth for that. Right. And there is a theme of, you know, an authoritarian theme here. I mean, there's, you know, the lead camp counselor who is sort of this inept figurehead. And there's a lot of, you know, uh, um, the sort of, uh, what's it, uh, the, the golden rule. He who has the gold makes the rules kind of situation here. The, the camp counselors are, you know, their character is beyond reproach because they're in a position of authority. The uh, the woman running juvenile hall, like you know, has has nothing good to say about these children. So, yeah, al- already we're setting up some pretty uh, 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 heady socio political issues here. Yeah, but you know, Ernest is he's a good hearted guy and he sees the good in everyone. So he, uh, like he says, he's, there's no such thing as a bad kid. So he is gonna he's gonna take these kids and find the good in them. Yeah, it's that, that purity of spirit where you know if if if. Yeah, he kind of leads the way. You know, he's kind of, uh, yeah, there, uh, there to you know raise raise the character of the people around him. Yeah, um, and you know, and there are wacky shenanigans that happen too because uh, it is an earnest movie. Um, right. One thing that I that I noticed rewatching it that struck me is like what an incredibly cheap movie this is, <laughs> <laughs> because yeah. like like it's not 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 that it's bad. I mean, it, they do a lot considering. The obviously like, low budget, but yeah, it's an thing, inexpensive movie. Oh yeah, the thing that really sticks out is I remember even as a kid, like you know, the poster shows like, oh, Ernest is, is in front of like a bunch of wacky things, like you know, a mm-hmm. bear and a family of like skunks or yeah. this thing. And very meatballs esque. Yeah, exactly. And in this movie, they, you do not see a single animal. Like they interact with the animals, but they never show them on screen. That's like, a great point. Yeah, I like, did not notice that. Like the bit with uh, where they find a badger, right? The family and, of badgers. Yeah, they, you never see the badgers. Yeah, and on top, <laughs> yeah, animals are expensive, and it's funny that I never noticed that because that is my favorite gag, maybe not of this movie, but of all time. <laughs> I don't know what it is, just like the the progression of noises in it, where it's just no matter how cute and cuddly they may seem, you never want to do this to a family of badgers, <laughs> and they immediately attack him. I mean, it kind of works better that you don't see the badgers. And yeah. I, I mean, I, but I don't think that's by design. I think they were like, yeah, we're right. just going to do it because we can't afford a badger. So yeah, it's just and, like, and, Jim, can you kind of run around? <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, have you ever seen um, Hey Vern, It's My Family album? No. I mean, okay. I watched the, the TV, the Saturday morning TV show religiously, but no, I had not seen that one. Okay, so this is a thing that um, I I don't know what this is really, but um, years and years ago at the dollar store, we found like one of those DVDs that's got like, oh, a million public domain things on it or whatever. Yeah. It was like all the bad Ernest stuff. So, right. um, you know, Ernest goes to Africa, Ernest goes to school. school. Yeah, you Ernest know. in the army. Yeah. yeah, that stuff. And uh, all his commercials as well. And one of the things on there was this thing called, Hey Vern, It's My Family Album which was mm-hmm. a series of vignettes of uh, Jim Varney, well, talking about, like, showing his family album and then doing these vignettes where it's like flashbacks to Ernest throughout history. And I have no clue what this was, if it was, like, a TV special or just, like, an extra that they put on or whatever. But there's a bit where Ernest, like, his great-great-grandfather, um, Brigadier General Ernest Warhol or something, 
is mm-hmm. in a he's in a fort and he he's like he comes to a fort to warn the you know the um the cavalry that oh the engines are coming right mm-hmm. and it's it's abandoned so this whole skit is jim varney uh in this fort pretending that he is every person you know that he's a lot of people to trick yeah. the uh, attacking indians into thinking oh it's full they never show the indians either but he talks through the door and, and they talk back to him. So it's like it's it's a 20 minute skit where Ernest <laughs> or is, is playing like 100 different characters and you never see a single other person. So it, it seems to be like a recurring thing of Jim, Jim Farney just like doing these things at the camera. Yeah. And, you know, and you just kind of roll with it because he, he is, you know, he's he's that good that you yeah. don't notice that he's the only thing on screen. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, to his credit, it never occurred to me. I'm just like, yeah, I'm just kind of watching Ernest do his thing. So yeah, it does, you know, it, it holds your attention. You, you know, you don't, uh, you don't see the man behind the curtain or absence of man behind the curtain. Yeah, um, it's a, you know, because he is like, I, mean, I, I think it is. It's always been kind of uh, in fashion to, you know, deride Ernest as, is. Um, low brow but i mean there's like real craft to his work yeah um, you know, i mean i don't i don't know how to, else to say it like it's it's entertaining like yeah it is low I mean, though it may be but it's it's uh it's just it's it's um the sort of thing that you would think would get old and and obnoxious really fast mm-hmm. but it doesn't he uh he really sells it yeah it's it's entertaining it's very endearing um yeah he's uh but this movie so ernest sorry uh, goes to camp uh what 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 else happens in it oh there's well, there's sorry no well i was gonna say one of the things that i was delighted in it and yeah, there is uh there is solid writing here there is solid um format in the way the movie is is set up and the way it progresses you know there are gags that are set up and pay off which is unfortunately something that is um not a given in a lot of uh recent uh you know comedies i want to say yeah um because like one of the things is um like from the very first scene of you know us getting introduced to Ernest as sort of this you know hapless caretaker um you know he's he's trying to he's driving around in his golf cart and he's he tries stopping it and he does and it like slowly takes off again without him noticing and you see that take off and you're like i know we're gonna see that golf cart throughout the entirety of this movie and we do it shows up like five more times it shows up at the end it's amazing well you know what they were like we paid for a golf cart we're gonna get our money's worth yeah we, <laughs> look we have to wreck this golf cart put it on screen as much as you need they blew the entire budget on that golf cart <laughs> a self-driving golf cart where are you even gonna get that <laughs> But you're right, though, because, like, so many, uh, especially comedies now, are just done, you know, algorithmically. And there's like, yeah, whatever. We'll, and then we'll just afterwards, like, hack it up and post. And Yeah, just, just point the camera at them and whatever's good we'll use. Yeah, and this one you can see they, like, no, they put a little bit of thought into um, setting things, you know, as, as Mike Santa Claus would say, setting things up and having them pay yeah. off. Right, um, yeah. And it's not just a comedy because, like, it holds together as a um, an actual, um, you know, of a, a film because they set up in the very beginning. They have this bit where it's a flashback to like you know a, a, a hundred lifetimes ago where the Native Americans are doing some sort of ceremony, yeah. which they then reference later in the movie, explaining it. And then at the end, it's part of the the climax. Like Ernest basically shows that he is not afraid of 
the the evil construction guy. No, what is it, a miner? It's a mining company. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it is a mining company that wants to um like uh strip mine uh native land to um to sell minerals for defense contractors. Like it's just like a checklist of every bad guy like thing there like if like the only thing you missed was like child slavery which i mean i'm sure they could have worked that in somehow it's funny because when this movie came out like you know in like 1988 you'd probably look at that and be like that's kind of a cartoonish villain but now we're like yeah yeah isn't it how elon musk's parents made their money (laughs) pretty much the only the only yeah the only thing that's like unbelievable now is at the end where the uh the cops show up and they're like yeah, the judge actually issued a restraining order that you can't just steal this indigenous land. And I'm like, right. I don't buy that. Yeah, yeah, no. It's like, yeah, Ernest Goes to Camp would be 30 minutes long. They'd just say eminent domain, you have to leave. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Ernest Goes Home Unemployed. That would be the movie. <laughs> yeah, that when we were watching, I was like, everything about this movie is so quaint now. Yeah, like the laws are working in the service of, you know, the greater good. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's just so, it's just weird. But um, yeah, in 2020, you're like, what? Yeah, we're through the looking glass for sure. Yeah, but um, but yeah, there was, but, a, the, like you said, an evil mining corporation with Dean, Dean Werner, Wormer from Animal House. Yeah, also our- the um, that uh, sinister cop from uh, Killer Clowns from Outer Space who gets turned oh. to a puppet. Yes, yeah, same guy. Really? Wow. Yeah. What a versatile guy. Yeah. Um, he's I... the go-to mean-looking guy. <laughs> you know the, the he has um he's got this yeah, like John henchman, Vernon. Yeah. You know. Uh, I, he's got this like oh god. Uh, actually, it was funny because we were looking up John John Vernon or Werner, mm-hmm. whatever his name is. Yeah. And um, just just not not possibly not not important, but um. I, mm-hmm. I think interesting is we found out his birth name is mm-hmm. Adolphus Raimondus Vernon Agoposovitz. Yeah, I would pare that down if yeah. I wanted to be an actor too. Because <laughs> we were like, what the fuck is that? Where is, is he is from? He like Prussian? Yeah, what well, is that? Well, we were looking it up on, on Wikipedia and it said, oh yeah, his parents are from the Duchy of Bukovina. And it's like, mm. that's not a real country. What is that? <laughs> They're, they're from Sealandia. Or yeah, whatever. it's like they're from like a fake like evil country from a Roald Dahl book or something. It's like, what yeah, is we, that? We um, gave him five different names so the genie will never know which one is really him. <laughs> but, you know, this, this is the kind of role he was meant to play, though, because he is yeah. he is. Yeah, kind of like evil rich guy is, is his yeah. thing. He, he attempts to uh, shoot a caretaker in broad daylight around dozens of witnesses. I love that. That's that is the the best part because after um you know like basically he 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 gets the deed to the camp by yeah. by tricking um the 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 old um native yeah. chief who yeah. owns it. Yeah, by nefarious means tricking uh, Iron Eyes Cody who you will recognize from the uh, anti-littering ad. Yes. Um a true um you know Iron Eyes Cody stealing valor as a native american here. <laughs> Right. Yeah, the, the the famous what Italian? Yes. <laughs> um, so he gets tricked uh, into signing away the land. Actually, interesting because like he comes to get it, and and Iron Eyes Cody. I don't remember the character name, so I'm gonna call him Iron Eyes Cody. Just, uh, just call him Big Chief. I Big mean, Chief. You know, yeah. <laughs> so Big Chief 
he, so um, Dean Verner comes to Big Chief and is like, <laughs> "Give me your land, I, you know," and and the Big Chief won't. So Ernest mm-hmm. shows up, and Ernest has been learning the language that Big Chief speaks. Yes, um, which is very interesting. He's a, you know, he's he's a very well-rounded guy. Uh, he's the yeah. only person who actually takes any interest in learning the actual native ways. Even yeah. though the whole camp is built on like, oh, we're doing these fakey, you know, uh, Indian rituals. Yeah, you uh, could say his intentions are very. Um, hmm, what is what is the word? I would say hmm, perhaps earnest. <laughs> Maybe that's why they named him that. Wow, you think that's a, on purpose? I, amazing revelation, if it if true. They were like, you know, when when uh, Jim Varney was creating the character, he was like workshopping it. He was like, I want everyone to know he's. <laughs> and then like you know what is... yeah this this will save a step <laughs> layers layers yeah layers true well yeah i mean uh yeah from like his you know background in education it's like yeah jim varney knows his shit <laughs> so but um he gets the uh so so ernest shows up and because he can speak the language dean yeah. verner is all for wormer sorry yeah. um, is uh it tells him like oh um, I am an environmentalist, and we want to save the forest, you mm-hmm. know? And, sign uh, this petition. Yeah, so sign this petition. And uh, Ernest is like, oh, that's a good thing to do, and, and basically, you know, tells the tells the chief that's what it's all about, and therefore the chief immediately signs it. Um, I, I mean, you know, he, he would, I guess he's trusting, so, and that's how they get the um, uh, <clears throat> the deed to the land. And yes. Yeah. Was, was there a, a reason uh, I was going through the whole thing? I'm trying to remember what my point was. What's that? I'm trying to remember my point in like ex- explaining that whole process. Well, um, we were talking about you're you're leading up to the end where the initial scene that is all you know in like Native American dialect where they explain the history of what it is of this trial of the uh, what the blade, the stone, and the arrow. That's it. Yes. Yeah. And so that all comes back around at the end, and you're just like, oh. Like I, I'm a little kid and I learned something. That's right, because that's when when Dean Wormer is all like, because the, they have the big fight and they they they, you know, run off all the miners with their you know toilet catapults and you know the yeah, things the kids they're, do. Yeah, they're they're attack snapping turtles. Yeah, you know when they're red dawning it basically. And yeah. They uh they run them off and then uh the dean is like I'll get him and he just gets in his his big boxy '80s sedan. And yeah. drives up with his gun and is is gonna shoot Ernest point blank, but because Ernest has faith in the Great Spirit, uh, the gun does not strike him. Yeah, yeah. So he's he's showing his true uh, his his earned valor, as yeah. you might say. <laughs> uh, and yeah, even backing things up more from that, um, the uh, yeah they're they're using the the kids and Ernest are using their you know improvised uh, you know assault weapons um you know against the uh against the uh occupying force of um of uh mining contractors you know independent contractors aka mercenaries you know (laughs) call it what you will um and uh that that scene is prefaced by a montage which uh ever since um what the south park movie people have, have really been keen on pointing those out when yeah this was like a regular thing where you know we're we're painting something we're fixing something up we're building something gonna get me a montage yeah 
Yep. So. We're we're getting ready for the big, you know, the the big fight. Yeah, and um, and also in terms of you know setting things up and having them pay off, um, one of the uh, improvised weapons they were using, um, they're using uh, like gas lanterns as rockets, and there's a there's a scene about halfway through the movie that has nothing to do with anything, that is Ernest trying to light one of these lamps, and he's you know going through like you know pumping it up and lighting the match, and he does this other thing that again. Apropos of nothing, he lights a match and he just like stares at it, like he just gets lost in it, like he's a caveman. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't, qu- I didn't quite get what that was about, but I, th- I think it's just something unto itself, where it's just like, oh, pretty, <laughs> like it's just you know fundamentally stupid. Anyway, so he lights off the the lantern and it shoots off like a rocket, and you're like, okay, that's a goofy scene, but then it comes back around. And it's like we can use these malfunctioning lanterns as rockets they pay off you know yeah um yeah there's a lot of uh there's a lot of thought to making this movie hang together in a satisfying way because yeah it's it's a simple film but when it it ends you feel like you you feel like i've seen a i've seen a movie you know it's you don't like it's not like these movies where you end it and you're just like okay because this one it feels like i'm i'm i i everything came full circle um also i do like it was funny, like, again, speaking of how quaint it is, just the, the fact where they're, you know, the miners roll in and they're like, we're going to take them out with our, you know, our by dropping turtles on them and shooting them with fireworks. And it's like, oh, mm-hmm. direct action gets the goods. Um, yeah. But it's funny because I was looking at that and when we were watching, it was like, you know, if you made this movie nowadays, like, everyone on the internet would be whining, well, you know, those, uh, those miners are actually, like, working people. So uh, it's actually bad to stand against the mining corporation. Yeah, this is intra-class conflict. Like, you know, you're just attacking attacking fellow comrades here. Yeah, you, you know, it's uh, it's your duty to buy every video game that comes out because people worked hard on that. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we could learn something about activism from the Ernest movies. Yeah, right. they've got a lot to teach us. Everyone should be watching <laughs> these now to really, you know, understand, um, you know, the, uh, well, you know, it's it's about like an evil corporation that is that is lying to steal indigenous land in order to plunder natural resources and to spoil the environment. Yeah, for the purpose of defense contractors. Yeah, so of, it's of like enriching, you know, militaries. Uh, I don't. I don't think we can overstate how relevant this is to, to modern. It's, same story. Yeah, I. I also like too that we skipped over fully two thirds of the movie and just got right right to the end because. Oh yeah. Well, what led yeah, up to this? Well, <laughs> yeah. Let's. Well, I mean, let's be honest. Like the. Short of Ernest doing his gags, like the first two thirds of the movie don't matter. Like it's it is a you know snobs versus slobs camp movie. We know what's going on. Like we don't like there are beats that happen because they have to happen, but it's like all right, whatever. <laughs> like the 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 highlights are all you know um, little gags that Ernest is doing throughout. Yeah, um, I feel like I mean if you ever seen uh, you know Wet Hot American Summer which is a parody of camp movies in general, but right. a, a parody of Ernest Goes to Camp specifically, um, you, then you pretty much know, you know, all the beats and what, how they work. Yeah. So, uh, so we're, yeah, we're glossing over that because, yeah, it's, you, you know, what's going on here. Um, the, uh, one of the highlights though is, you know, we're introduced to uh, Jake and, and Eddie with all their crazy, you know, kitchen contraptions, and yes. and and their pursuit of of this, um, 
you know, this this mana that they call Exeronius. Yeah. So, <laughs> which so, is you know those those a play on words that I you know went over my head. Yeah, I didn't get it at the time either. Um, it's 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 weird that they seem to understand that the thing they're making is bad since they named it that. But yeah. uh, these two guys are like, you know, you can tell this is a movie that is made for children because these yeah. two guys are just like, you know, they they are the sort of thing that like you you would put in a movie to appeal to children because they they make food out of things that are not food. Yeah, it's 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 sort of uh, what like double dare. Yes, like sort of aesthetic. I mean, when I was a kid, I thought the bit where they were throwing things into that machine was was absolutely hilarious. Yeah, chicken pot pie, chicken yeah. pot <laughs> pie. Yeah, and then when he's doing the thing where he's like doing the voices, you know? Oh yeah, oh, not, not, the, the not, the loop, not the lobster bisque. Yeah, like like I was like, oh, that's hilarious. That now that is comedy. Yeah, oh. or when he's making uh, what's it, uh, uh, chicken Alfredo or something, you know, chicken, yeah. <laughs> whatever pasta, and a little Italian Alfredo, and he's like, no, no, not to me. <laughs> yeah, it's great, and I do love that they've invented a machine that yeah, you just throw like random objects that have the same yeah. name as the dish you're making into it. It's like it, it literally, it's like a, it's like a puzzle out of one of those old like, uh, you know point and click adventure games that are all based right. on bad puns yeah um, you need to get like the mustache and the cat yeah and then you can ring the bell <laughs> and then get, drink the water and i do like that though that that the stuff that comes out of it is just you know it, it's just gack like nickelodeon Slob, gack. yeah 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 <laughs> which which uh eddie has to catch in a colander so yeah yeah uh, which, yeah i mean you know i, I think that at this point uh, Ernest goes to camp it would enter the realm of magical realism like if we're taking the you know the liver loaf launcher as you know an actual piece of scientific equipment or yeah. culinary equipment <laughs> um, actually I, I also remember when they try to get Ernest to eat something mm -hmm. Ernest uh, says some of his catchphrases that he says in almost every Ernest movie mm -hmm. um, he says uh, a hungry lion hunts best Right. And he, he also says uh, an army marches on its stomach, which uh -huh. I have heard him say in almost in every Ernest movie. And I remember them because they're such odd turns of phrase. Mm -hmm. I almost wonder. I mean, I, they're not like they're not that they're weird. I mean, I understand what they mean, but I've yeah. just never heard anyone other than Ernest say these things. That yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I know um, army marches on its stomach, but yeah, I suppose these are just sort of. Uh, by this point, it's sort of earnest old standards for him not wanting to do something. Yeah. Also, yeah. he says later on in the movie, even a flounder takes sides, which is another one that I've only heard Ernest say. I've I wonder... never heard that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you've heard it? No, I've never heard oh. it. I wonder if these are like, you know, because he's from what, Kentucky or Tennessee or something? So I wonder if they're like yeah. famous aphorisms from, you know, the Appalachian Mountains or something. I mean, it fits because I think he was from Tennessee, but like he worked, like he did a lot of his uh, like stand-up work in Kentucky. Oh, okay. my understanding. So you know, I imagine like a Kentucky audience would be like, you know, rolling on the aisles if they heard this. They'd be like, "Oh, flounder." <laughs> They'd be like, "I get it. Yep, it's, you sound like my uncle." He's like, "Oh, it's so true. It's so true." Yeah. Well, you know, in the same way too that um, you know, like Mystery Science Theater, like they bring a lot of local color just from their sort of midwestern yeah background so i think the same thing applies here which is that, which is nice that is another thing that you do not see anymore 
because everything in film has been all the like regionalisms and like little quirks like that have been ironed out. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, you know, I was talking to, um, uh, to my wife recently about, you know, the Ghostbusters movies. Uh-huh. You know, if you watch like the original Ghostbusters movie, it's like you watch it. It's like, oh, that's New York. There's like yeah. Italian cabs. There's hot dog vendors. You know, it, it's New York, right? Mm-hmm. The, the city is very important to that film. You watch the new Ghostbusters movie. It's like, well, that was all filmed in Toronto. It could be any city. It doesn't ma- doesn't matter. Um, uh-huh. And it's just a thing where like films now, any sort of regional character is, you know, since they're all filmed in either, you know, uh, Toronto or Czechoslovakia, it they they don't have any of these little quirks anymore uh, yeah you'd have to work harder to make it more authentic and at that point you're like eh, yeah, why we bother? just cut out the middleman yeah yeah it's like why bother like 90 percent of america doesn't live in that spot where it's supposed to be so they won't get it anyway but right yeah what well what good is culture and you know movies anyway <laughs> yeah well, movies were a mistake right <laughs> well at least uh finally you know we've had a legitimate criticism of the uh of the lady ghostbusters movie <laughs> that's right no yeah. no yeah it's like that because i watched the lady ghostbusters and i was like that i don't i don't believe that's new york not new york <laughs> uh, everything else i'm fine with yeah it's like well i see the ghosts i'm like yeah those look like ghosts all right yeah. i mean i don't i mean i see the big stilt walking uncle sam i'm like yeah i guess that could be a ghost <laughs> yeah i guess <laughs> i'm on board with the you know re- uh representation and reparations but not New York. That's the, <laughs> that's the sticking point for me. That's going too far. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this. Uh, um, actually, where <laughs> speaking of, it, where is Iridus Ghost Camp supposed to take place? Do do we know? Is it said? Uh, it is not. Well, I mean, unless there's a real Camp Kikiki, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, uh, I assume East Coast just because there's poison ivy, but. Okay. Yeah. That's that's the only thing I can think of that gives any well, indication. I don't know. I assume that they never identify this Native American tribe that owns the land because you know it's 1987 and they're like, uh, who cares? They're like Indians, you know, the one kind of person. Yeah, you know, the Indian. Yeah, they one kind they, of Indian it is. You know, they like they use teepees and uh, have war bonnets, like all Indians. Yeah. <laughs> Which actually, yeah, it was funny because I was, I was thinking like, you know, this movie is fairly woke from its time, for its time with the way that like Ernest is, is trying to be so respectful of Native American traditions yeah. and uh, land and all that. And then they're like, then the head camp counselor guy is like, last year, some of us made, some of the campers made a complete Indian war headdress. And it's like, oh, problematic. <laughs> well, I mean, like if, if basic, like you know, decency and awareness of other people's uh, values or beliefs as being woke, then, wow. <laughs> well, for 1988, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, that, a... that's, that's the thing, too, that I like about the, the head camp counselor is that he's 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 a one-note character in that he's just an out-of-touch dude where, like, anything, like, something bad happens, Ernest gets hurt, and he's like, what's going on here? It's like, oh, you know, Ernest caught on fire, and he's like, well, at least no one was hurt. Yeah. And then he... he just goes about his business. <laughs> that's the... That is the uh, they do that multiple times and yeah I mean it's pretty funny it's it's weird the last time that they do it like as the movie ends because like Ernest is there like literally crushed under a sign and they all just yeah. walk away yeah well I think the point is it's like no one who matters was yeah right. <laughs> that's the implication yeah I mean I get that why he does it because he's funny but like it was weird when like the woman who is sort of 
sort of a love interest in this, but not. You know, yeah. she 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 fulfills the standard role that a love interest would fill in in a movie like this. But because Ernest is a man child, he mm-hmm. can't. You know, they're like, no, we can't have him like fucking. That'd be yeah, weird. I'd be like, yeah, I'd be like, why wasn't there like a, a love interest in Sling Blade? Yeah. <laughs> exactly (laughs) so you know it's like this isn't this isn't this movie is not sex for trainables this is yeah (laughs) so um yeah they uh actually she is um but she is the camp uh, doctor i think yeah and yeah she she's the grown-up so and and you know if you don't want to say that it's you know like a love scene it is perhaps a maternal love for Ernest. right um does she have a name it's like nurse saint chief saint cloud or something Oh, saint cloud okay yeah yeah it's a traditional indian name um (laughs) right yeah i actually was curious because um when we were i was trying to figure out if she um actually was native american since iron eyes cody is not um right and i think her name was racimo and i was like i i have no clue what kind of name that is if it's you know an italian name or I don't well, know. I mean, I I was going to look it up, but I'm like that is really splitting hairs, and I don't. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, like, I'm not I'm not going to be like, well, I can't believe that she's in you know red face for this pretending to be Nate. It's like whatever. It's 1980. Yeah, it's, yeah, I know. <laughs> it's par for the course, but um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I think she's literally only been in like this movie. Yeah, and yeah, and I mean, I I really only care about it when Scarlett Johansson plays a Japanese person. Yeah, <laughs> it's a little more, you know. A little Which, more again, forgivable there. Yeah. Um, but uh, so she's in it. She loves giving shots. That's her big thing in this movie. Yeah. Maybe she's a junkie. I don't know. Yeah. Um, it is funny because she comes to Ernest and she's like, I just want to make sure you got all your shots. And it's like, okay, well, what are we talking about? Like, what is he getting shots for? <laughs> what is going on? Like, <laughs> he, he, he gets bitten by a lot of rabid dogs in his yeah. world. I mean, <laughs> well, he, uh, he got attacked by badgers. So You know what? That does, that does scan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They put thought into it. She, with the golf I guess, cart. You know, she knows Ernest. She was there last year. She's like, I, she's like, I know this guy is gonna, he's he's gonna need like about a hundred tetanus shots. So I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna get in on the ground floor here. Yeah, she's like, I'm, uh, I'm not saying it, but I'm the only reason that you're still alive. Yeah, you can you know move your jaw. <laughs> she is the close. She is literally the only person who sort of cares uh, about anything that happens to Ernest. Yeah, yeah, it's true because he is because. You know, Ernest is part of the sort of you know, disposable working class in this. He's not in a position of privilege like any of the camp counselors. Yeah. I mean, yeah, exactly. They're like, they, everyone is mean to him for no reason yeah. because he's, you know, he's a working man. He's keeping that camp going as the yeah. the apparently only maintenance person they have. Yeah. But he's not even blue collar. He's more blue vest. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. like how then when they were like, okay, you're camp counselor, you have to, um, you know, uh, take care of these, uh, juvie kids uh but mm-hmm. also you're gonna do your maintenance work as well you're probably not right. getting a raise though he's kind of like stanley spadowski in a way where it's yeah, like he kind of <laughs> you know you're right he is a he is a very spadowski character he is in the spadowski mold yeah it's like hey do you want to host the most popular show on this uhf channel uh yeah uh, do i still get to mop <laughs> sure <laughs> he's um uh yeah you know was uh when did uhf come out that was oh i should know i mean that's that's post earnest because i mean i i um i uh i thought as a child and i acted like a child in the earnest movies but you know when when uh uhf came out i 
I thought and acted like a slightly older child. <laughs> well, let me see. It looks like uh, UHF. Oh, you're right. A new UHF was 1989, so it was uh, a good two years after Ernest Goes to Camp. Uh, okay. Which makes me wonder if uh, if Michael Richards was basing his performance on Ernest. Possibly he was studying the Ernest canon so that he could... Uh... <laughs> Is it a canon that shoots like gloopy pasta? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The other thing, too, about that contraption is that, keep in mind, we get a couple of scenes to get introduced to it and develop affection for it, and then it is mercilessly crushed under the wheels of an earth mover by, you know, the uh, big goon from the Crater Mining Corporation. I, I actually thought from this movie that that big goon was played by um, the Luke guy Ferrigno? who plays uh, Sloth on um, the Goonies. Oh, okay. He, he looks very similar to, like, three other tough goon types yeah as far as i can but, tell it's not the same one but i mean yeah that wasn't i mean there there yeah. are a lot of guys who could play goon you know yeah. yeah so they uh but yeah they they use the they they blow up all the um the uh the mining equipment yeah they um uh yeah and and it's nice too because it being a kid's movie there are boxes that are labeled high explosive <laughs> uh boxes that are labeled smoke bombs so you know what's in them <laughs> Yeah, you you wouldn't want anyone to be confused. Yeah, it's like I need to like I'm a little kid. I can't grasp what's going on in the scene here. <laughs> um, I I do like though the well, you know, all other things that are good setups in this. They they mm -hmm. really do take the time to make the bad guys evil. Cause yeah, you have that scene where they like are evicting those hillbillies. Yeah, in a scene like out of like 1920 or something. Yeah, that actually was, and plus it was. They they live in like a one room shack. With, yeah, and it's um, like, dude, are you not aware what century it is? Yeah, it was actually like when they and they film it like it's it's like dark. It's kind of blue filtered. It looks like something out of Pumpkinhead. Uh, there's yeah. some good atmosphere in that scene, which yeah, you you don't see in a lot of movies from that time period. Because um, like one of the things that I've always noticed about like when you watch like horror movies from the 80s, they're like, oh yeah, just film everything during the daytime because it's easier and yeah. so yeah it's like oh wow freddy krueger is murdering people in broad daylight that sure is scary um you know it's not that yeah. you get to like the ring when suddenly everything's blue filtered yeah and suddenly you put some atmosphere into it yeah uh, i think i think that scene might have been um an outtake from uh chimino's heaven's gate <laughs> uh, <laughs> same, same idea um, yeah, we, we, uh, let's see, they set up, uh, Ernest's relationship with his pet turtle. Oh, um, they even, yes. Yeah. Yeah. They even dub in the turtle later. He, he also has, he has a, um, a dog rim shot in one of the later movies too. So. Yeah. I remember that rim shot appears in what Ernest, uh, in jail, I, I think. think. Yeah. Um, uh, which is the I, film I where know. we get to see more of Ernest's home life. Yeah. And again, he's, he's sort of a Pee Wee Herman character. Yeah, he's got lots of wacky gizmos in his house, which yeah. actually makes sense because we do see him inventing a lot of wacky gizmos in this movie. So, um, you know, he, yeah, it's kind like, of some overlap with like you know the sort of Joel Hodgson mystery science theater prop comedy. Yeah, you know the thing about um, uh, Ernest P. Warhol here, when you realize yeah. when you look at him, it's like okay, so he's a guy who um, talks a lot. He talks constantly. Uh -huh. um, you know, he's he seems like he's got like he's fairly intelligent in kind of a 
book learned way you know he he's he's able to express himself very articulately and yeah. he but he's he's very naive he falls for any he believes anything anyone tells him even when it's mm -hmm. obviously untrue and he's kind of like got this engineering mind very very big into like building gizmos and stuff um mm -hmm. so basically what i'm saying is i think that Ernest is asperger's <laughs> i think he's kind of a like an engineering student on meth mm. yeah <laughs> but i mean you said asperger's i said engineering student potato yeah, potato, potato. potato. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Also mentioned the scene about him getting uh getting a beat down from the crater goon. Oh yeah, man, that's that's pretty brutal actually. Yeah, and that's uh and that fits, you know, a format too because um jeez, I think that I'm uh invoking um uh what is uh unbreakable. Um where they're talking about, you know, like the two villains that they hear has to fight, like the one fights him with his fist and you know, the one that fights him with his mind. And yeah. you know, you know, Ernest eventually has to fight Crater himself, you know, as the end boss. But first he's got, you know, the goon. And uh, I don't even remember this guy's name. But, you know, he's, he's got the, the Crater goon that he has to fight. And he, you know, gets beaten handily because, you know, he's not using his wits. He isn't using this situation to his advantage. He's just, he can't beat him in a fair fight. Yeah, yeah. This is this is the, the important thing. Again, as we're talking about this being um, built like a real movie. Yeah, this is the end of the second act. Yeah, this is where the long dark night of the soul begins. And mm -hmm. Ernest, because things are lowest for Ernest now, and he thinks it's all over. But he's going to rally his troops and, and come back in the end. Yeah, uh, this is where he, you know, he screwed up and he you know got the chief to sign the deed over. And, you know, he got a beating and, like, the kids don't believe in him anymore. And then he, you know, sings that song about I'm awfully glad it's raining, which also has, has kind of like a Muppet yeah it. <laughs> it does you know that's the thing it's an extremely muppet song mm -hmm. and it's funny because it's not a it's not a good song and Ernest can't really sing i mean he's actually singing there um right it's kind of heartfelt though like it's one of those i think yeah because it is a, for that i think because it is a muppet-esque song and you don't expect the music and the muppet to be good you know yeah you kind of just roll with it, and uh, I don't know. Like I remember watching it. Like the last time I watched it, it was like oh, I'm getting all teary eyed because Ernest is sad. Um, yeah, well, <laughs> it it works in the same way that like a Muppet song does. It really tugs at your heartstrings because it's like I'm this you know kind of pure innocent person trying to do right, and I failed everyone that I care about. Yeah, and you know they have that montage of everyone just like putting away their things because they've got to leave camp. And yeah. you know, it's it's a it's a well it's a well done again a montage a well done montage that really yep. communicates the sadness uh, and the, the depths that they're in right now. Um, yeah. So so you know, in summation, suck it, Hoosiers. Like yeah. this is. <laughs> yeah, I feel like Ernest well, is a better movie. Who remembers Hoosiers? I I only remember it as that movie I didn't watch. <laughs> I've heard the name, but I've. I, I think of it as like one of those movies that they got like, you know, that that I don't know if they actually did this, but I feel like that's one of those movies where they got that Mad Magazine artist who's not Mort Drucker to draw the poster. Yeah, I, I think um, I think Gene Hackman might be in it. But again, I mean, again, it's like, you know, it's like, like an 11 year old kid. I'm like, I all I know of Gene Hackman is he's, he's in a Superman movie. Yeah, not the good so, one. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Which, and you know, in that way is like, you know, on par with Richard Pryor in terms of 
you know, acting chops. I don't know. Yeah. Which, you know, as when you're a child, you're like, no, I mean, if, if there's anyone who's as big a draw for children as Gene Hackman, it would be Richard Pryor. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, kids really responded to Richard Pryor's comedy. You know, they, they just get it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, there's structurally, there's a lot of, um, you know, solid work in this movie. Um, you know, eggs erroneous pays off in the end credits. Um, the golf cart, you know, keeps coming back around until, until it's, um, uh, until self-sacrifice. The, the gag with a sign that opens the movie closes the movie. And, you know, it's an inversion of that too, because, you know, in the beginning, you know, he pulls on the, on the rope that he used to secure the ladder to the sign at the beginning and he didn't tie it. So he falls. Uh, and then at the end he ties it except for the sign falls. And it's, yeah. uh, it, it, it all works. That's why, why I'm so pleased about it. I can't believe Ernest is fucking dead. Um, well. No, I want to ask, so that ending gag in the credits with Exeronius. Yeah. Um, so I, for years, I've never been able to figure out, is because um, Jake feeds the eggs to, to uh, Eddie, and he yeah. gets, like, hot or something, and, is, and he turns yeah, into, he like, turned, a hot dude, right? He turns into, like, a Neil Hamburger-esque kind of... Performer. Yeah. Is that of someone? Is that a person? It, Famous? Uh, uh, yeah, uh, for $2 a month, um, you can subscribe to the uh, Patreon, and we will actually do some research <laughs> before recording an episode. You mean go, going to IMDb? Yeah, going to IMDb and just, just Googling Neil Hamburger. <laughs> I, hey, maybe um... Neil Eggs Erroneous. What do you want? <laughs> The one thing that I uh, that I the one bit of research that I did about this movie is one of the uh, one one of the like uh, shitty campers, you know the the snobs, grew up yeah. to play uh, a minor character on Supernatural. Ah, which you know I was I was kind of like hey, to my wife was like, hey, you like that show? Yeah. And now you got to like, watch this movie. Hmm? Like now you got to watch Ernest Goes to Camp with me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Man, Logic I, is, yeah, again, infallible. I just realized, apparently, um, uh, the the uh, foreman in this movie, mm-hmm. the the big goon, yeah, his his character name is Bronk Stinson. <laughs> yeah, that's a, a that's a name that tells you everything you need to know about the character. Huh. I was like, isn't that like a Venture Brothers character? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's of, of a certain type, you know, in the way that like. Uh, 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 Stanley Spadowski, you know, you know yeah. what that character's about from their name. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Brock Samson, Bronk, whatever. <laughs> oh, also, I, I, I gotta mention one of my favorite characters in this mm-hmm. was um the uh the the lawyer, you know, you know that yeah. lawyer. Yeah. Because I, I love. It's a shame they couldn't have get, gotten Dan Hedaya for it because he would have been perfect. Oh, he's it's a it's an extremely Dan Hedaya role. Yeah. You know. <laughs> It's like kind of like a sweaty bald guy in a suit, you know. Yeah. Um, Which again, he's kind of a character actor, and you'll recognize him. Yeah, yeah. It, he, it's like if you need someone to play Richard Nixon. Yeah. Actually, yeah. did he play? Oh, oh my gosh, is this true? Uh, you tell me. Um, according to IMDb, one uh-huh. of the miners who was uncredited in this mm-hmm. was played by Jim Henson. I'm going to have to go back and watch it again. I'm going to have to go to torrentlocker.ru, search for <laughs> Ernest Goes to Camp. 
I there was a there is a guy who looks who has a very um, appealing face of a Jim Henson type, but I didn't recognize him as Jim Henson. You know what? Maybe that explains why it's such a Muppet song. Like they were making this movie and they were doing that song and it was like it wasn't working. And Jim Henson was like, yeah. um, I, I have some it's suggestions. Like, and yeah. that was what started Jim Henson's career. In wow. ni- in 1988, he, he began yeah. his career. He finally broke through with Ernest Goes to Camp. There was no, that was like nothing. Jim Henson did not do anything prior to 1988. You know, yeah, he was a relatively obscure, you know, unknown artist. Yeah, in the yeah. same that you know, no one, you know, no one knew who Andy Warhol was until Ernest P. Warhol. Yeah, it's really impressive when you think that Jim Henson started his career at, like in in um, you know 88, and a mere two yeah. years before he he began puppetry, he made Labyrinth. Yeah, it's it, well, it, you know, it's a student film. Yeah, and then you know, it it got some traction on home video. It was his uh, THX. Yeah, one one three eight. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, apparently, yeah. So that is that is what IMDb says. Um, so do you think that um, if uh, you know, Ernest, you know, Hail Mary protest at the end that you know undoes all the mining plans? Do you think that that would work? Unlike a BlackRock pipeline scenario, you, um, <laughs> or are we going to see like you know, or like janitors like sprayed with fire hoses? Well, I think. Well, you know, that's the, again when we talk about how quaint this movie is. Yeah. Um, the idea of actually like standing against you know the uh, the, the the relentless um, greed yeah. of you know. Yeah, you can have you can have a CEO like you know shoot and like you know. A, you know, like a, a janitor, without anyone really even caring, be like, eh, you know, I heard he had some uh, some priors. Yeah, be like, oh, we we found a knife in his his golf cart. Yeah, right. God. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that is the thing. Is like, um, yeah, if this movie was made nowadays and realistically, like, yeah, he would just show up and shoot Ernest, and everyone would be like, yeah, so what? Yeah, yeah, er- Ernest would have been like, you know, killed off screen by like brad dorif or something yeah in like <laughs> a white like, suit he shouldn't have resisted yeah God. um but yeah uh, actually that is but that is the part why i like the lawyer so much the one when the mm-hmm. evil dean Wormer is like i'm gonna go shoot Ernest, and the lawyer's like you can't do that you go crazy but he still gets in the car with him and drives to the- yeah <laughs> it's like well i will be there as legal counsel <laughs> it's like, i guess he could be there so that he can kind of shake his head when the shooting doesn't go as planned, but yeah, was that accessory after the fact? Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's like maybe that's why you know the lawyer's been having so little luck actually convincing Iron Eyes Cody to sign because it turns out he's actually just a really shitty lawyer. Yeah, he's not good at not good at uh, sort of leading his clients down the you know legal pathway. Yeah, it's like, but man, uh, but, but you know, uh, so what else is there about Ernest? goes to camp well i mean i my final judgment is that yes it is a simple movie for children but watching it as an adult i still love all the gags in it yeah it's um it's a it's a sim it's it's not like yeah citizen kane or anything but it's a it's a well-crafted movie with um you know a likable protagonist and some really good you know solid gags in it yeah like i look it up on streaming and it's got two stars and i look at it and i'm like "Ah, that's fair yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the thing about it is, like, you watch it, and it's like, 
it's just oh a, a comedy and it's an hour and a half so it's, it's nice you know as opposed to right. nowadays it's like oh, i'm gonna see comedy and it's gonna be like 18 hours of you know the uh just just outtakes from bad improv right yeah i'm, I'm gonna see jonah hill with his dick out or something i don't know <laughs> well that's what people want to see right yeah so yeah we we've you carried on about Ernest Goes to Camp. We we touched a little bit on the films that came after. Um, I so I'm relieved to have you know relived Ernest Goes to Camp and not you know come away just like you know cringing to death. I don't quite have the nerve to go back and revisit um, Ernest Goes to Jail, Ernest uh, Saves Christmas, or Ernest Scared Stupid. I did see those when I was a kid and I like them, but I think Scared Stupid is kind of where I drew the line. Yeah. I didn't watch any of the straight to video ones because I'm like, you know, it's it's you know in the same way that like you know you don't want to see, like let's say let's say you Google uh, Tour Satana when you're alone late at night, um, do you look at the Tour Satana from Faster Pussycat or do you look at Tour Satana before she died? <laughs> no, you 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 look at you know you want to remember someone in their prime. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to watch Ernest in the Army. I want to watch Ernest Goes to Camp. Yes, um, and definitely do not watch Ernest Goes to Africa. <laughs> that just, from the name alone, I, I'm like tugging at my collar. Just, um, I'll say this. It's, it's, um, when it's I watch No Gods it, Must Be Crazy. Well, you know, it's like you're, you're watching it and you're like, this is going to be, this is going to be racist, right? This is going to have well, the worst Yeah, that's racism. just a natural assumption. Now, now in, in the defense of Ernest in Africa, I will say this. Ernest does not do blackface in it. All right. Yeah. Sort of. As in, he does sort not do of. blackface as an African person. He okay. He does, Af- he does black, black, well, I don't know what you'd call it, but he, he does a bit where he's like, oh, I'm an Indian person, you know, mm-hmm. like with a turban and a loincloth. And he's like, oh, good God, gosh, I am, you know, like that. Yeah. And it's like, oh, well, I mean, at the time, they were still an acceptable like ethnicity to to mock and ridicule, um, right? But uh, other than that, Ernest Goes to Africa is basically the same movie as uh, Ace Ventura Two, which oh, is also well, not good. Yeah, it seems like that's a, that's a miss then. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's it's a it's a blemish on an otherwise uh, <laughs> solid record of Ernest movies. Yes, uh, let's see. Yeah, Scared Stupid. I kind of you know wasn't so much on board with. Uh, might have just been sort of diminishing returns at that point. It's, you know, a little bit of a horror movie. Eartha Kitt is in it. Yeah. Um, I do remember um, Ernest Goes to Jail. Like, that That one is all over streaming. Like, you can find that one easily. You know, listeners write in and tell me what you think. Um, but I remember that being a pretty strong Ernest outing because it wasn't like, it, it wasn't the dregs like the direct-to-video stuff. But it had grown on the earlier stuff from, you know, Haver and its Ernest and, you know, Ernest Goes to Camp and his earlier stuff. Yeah. Um, I remember so. when I saw it as an adult, it was like, it's not bad. I mean, it's um, it's not as good as Ernest Goes to Camp. It feels a little phoned in, but it's still got its moments. Mm-hmm. I, uh, the, the others, I yeah, I can't really say anything good about the others. Yeah, I haven't revisited... Um, Haver and Ernest, the the Saturday morning TV show, but I remember it being just the pinnacle of comedy for me as a child. 
Yeah, it was. Um, I saw that a couple years ago, and it's it's pretty funny. I mean, it's still mm -hmm. pretty good. It it feels a lot like watching. Um, if you've seen uh, the the Weird Al Yankovic show he had for a little while, oh or, yeah, um, Dave Coulier when he did that show Out of Control, it was a little bit like those. Wow, um, I I have like the vaguest inkling of a show that I'm sure I watched religiously. Yeah, I mean it's it's so it's it's amusing. It's one of those shows that like it was made at a time when you would watch it. Yeah, once a week when it was on TV, and it was not mm -hmm. intended to be like marathoned like on a DVD. So by the yeah. time you watch like the second or third episode, you're like, uh, I'm done. And you never want to yeah, watch like, it again. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it, but, for what it is, it's not bad. Yeah. And I do like that they had, you know, recurring bits. Like you said, the, uh, you know, Ernest gets a haircut. Um, and I also like it, it to me, I, you know, it's one of those things like, I wish I could go back and relive that moment of the second time that they, um, have like that little sound effects corner. Where it is the guy who plays, you know, Jake the chef in this, saying like, "Oh, here is how how you do this one particular sound effect," and it would always be it's it's a variation on the you know Wall Street Tycoon thing where it's saying, "Oh, this is like the sound of you know like a boot in mud. This is the sound of peeling socks apart after you pull them out of the dryer," but it would always be he presses the meaty part of his hand up against his mouth and he blows. <laughs> <laughs> Like that's that that's the sound effect every time he knows one trick, <laughs> and it's always and and the keen-eyed observer will notice that he uses it for an airplane sound in Ernest Goes to Camp. Oh yeah, yeah. When he's trying to spoon feed Ernest, you know what? You play to your strengths. Yeah, it's like I've got a you know I've got a bag of goodies here, and I'm just gonna draw from them that, every week. It's that's his thing, and he can you know, do that thing with his eyes where he kind of does that like. That yeah, weird shifty that, eye thing. That's his other yeah. gimmick. Um, yeah. The other thing about the Ernest show that I remember was it was one of the, um, I think one of the earlier appearances of the concept of, they had this recurring bit called My Father the Clown. Okay. And it was like, it was kind of like a parody of like, oh, it's like a kind of 50s sitcom about a woman who marries a literal clown and they have two kids, one of whom is normal and one is a clown kid. And, mm -hmm. and I just remember. Genes. Yeah. And, and it's like, one of the earliest things I remember was the idea of clowns being like a species. <laughs> okay. You know, which, Did that ever come up again at any point? In in earnest or in uh? Or just in general? I mean, uh, I've seen like I'm trying to think like I'm I, there's I'm sure that's I've seen that in other things where it's like clown is a thing you are rather than like a costume that you wear. Yeah, it's it's a state of state of mind. Yeah. But um, I mean, that was one of the weaker bits on the Ernest show, I think. But it might have been sort of too outside, you know, tonally. Yeah, uh, you know, it's like when you're a kid, you're just like, I don't, I don't really get this. It's confusing. <laughs> I don't understand how yeah. genetics work. Yeah, save it for the Dana Carvey show. <laughs> <laughs> Between eighty-seven and nineteen ninety, uh, uh, was this Touchstone released uh, four Ernest movies, and they made combined, they made. A hundred million dollars, which is impressive considering Ernest Goes to Camp cost about twenty dollars. Mm. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, I mean, he had, you know, he, he had all of his stand-up work in, you know, Kentucky. Um, uh, you know, Shakespearean trained. Um, one of the things that were were Jen still with us in order to uh, to mention this? Like she she loves pointing out that there is a blind item on some Hollywood blog that she follows 
that apparently you, um, you can infer from the story that Jim Varney fucked Freddie Mercury? You know, it's funny that you mentioned that because when we were watching this today, my yeah. wife was like, is Ernest gay? Because I remember something about that. <laughs> there you go. And yeah, apparently he's bi. I, I tried looking it up and um, there's a Reddit, uh, a subreddit called like Mandala Effect where people were discussing no. this. Apparently a lot of people have memories of Ernest coming out, but there's no information about it. Huh. Well, I mean, I, yeah, I, I can only go off of this blind item that, you know, we're Jen here to derail the conversation with it. We could get more in depth with it, but I mean, just look it up for yourself. I don't know. We'll tweet about it. I mean, um, Jim Varney is like, he's got a, he's got a look. I mean, when he's not making faces and you actually see him outside of the Ernest persona, he's, he's, he's kind of good yeah. looking, you know? Yeah. We, it came out from a, a joke text between, you know, uh, myself and, and Jen and some mutual friends were talking about, um, well, here's the thing. Um, a lot of young people who watch movies are, are dummies. And it's it's not because they're fans of movies. It's because they're young and they're dumb. When Diana Rigg died and people are looking up, because you know, they know Diana Rigg as the old woman from Game of Thrones. And oh, she you was look in Game of Thrones? Who'd she play? She played What's-Her-Name. I wanted Cersei to know it was me. Oh, I didn't realize that was Emma Peel. I didn't either. Yeah, because she's hella old. Yeah, wow, point. okay. Yeah, but but yeah, that's the thing is that people would look up you know Diana Rigg, and then be like, "Hey, did you guys know that Diana Rigg was really hot when she was younger?" It'd be like, an attractive actress in her twenties. You don't say. <laughs> so, yeah. So we're joking about that, and sort of just like, "Oh, well, you know who? You know, my choice then is like hot young actors. Well, obviously Jim Varney." And then Jen looked him up, and it's like, "Oh yeah, he is actually pretty handsome." Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's got kind of. Um... You know, I don't know how you would describe it, but he's got kind of a smoldery look to him. And, yeah. You know, I could see him with, with Freddie Mercury. Yeah, he's got a leading man appeal. He's got the, you know, like cleft chin and those really defined features. So. Yeah, you know what? In in another in another universe, he could have been a you know a leading man. We decided yeah. instead of taking his talents to comedy. I don't know. I mean, Jed Clampett and you know the Ever the Hillbillies movie—that's sort of a leading man. That's true. You know, it's funny that movie because he. It's it's weird. I remember seeing that movie. It's not as bad as people will say it is. I mean, people like to shit on that movie. It's 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 one of those movies that like from looking at it, you're like, I don't want to be associated with this movie. Yeah, it's kind of like us doing a podcast about Ernest goes to camp. Yeah, I mean, I won't say it's a good movie. I'm just gonna say that like I've seen it, and I would say, oh, it it is what you would. It is if you were going to adapt the Beverly Hillbillies into a movie, that is the movie you would get. I mean, right? It's it's what you expect. I mean, I don't know why yeah. he would pretend that it's going to be bad, um, but uh, he. Yeah, why isn't this like No Country for Old Men? Yeah, I don't get it. <laughs> it, it's funny because um, Jim Varney uh, is is a very restrained presence in that movie. Like huh. he's, you'd expect him to be like, oh, like kind of rubber facing all over the place, but he's actually pretty. Um, he's kind of the uh, the the anchor, like the the normal anchor that keeps that movie like um, you know grounded. And uh, they gave Granny all the wacky lines. Well, it's, I guess it's a matter of balance, you know. You know when to like turn it on and turn it off. Yeah. 
I mean, Brem yeah. just being like all over the place. Well, that's good. Jim Varney, he's not like, you know, a, a Robin Williams or a um, or a Jim Carrey where he's like, I need to be the center of attention no matter what in every scene. Yeah, even if always it, at 11. Yeah, it's like he's a guy who obviously he knows like, look, I got to If I'm going to carry this movie, I need to sometimes be the presence that makes the movie work while letting other people get the big lines you know yeah being part of like an ensemble work yeah yeah, yeah exactly understanding but, that there's a dynamic there rather than just being like well i'm carrying this thing by myself yeah i mean i have heard i've heard nothing but good things about jim varney apparently he was a uh, consummate professional and a nice guy yeah yeah it's like everyone who seems to have interacted with them has something you know positive to say about him it's just like well that's quite a legacy yeah yeah apparently he also did a lot of good for the children of kentucky uh, I guess he has left behind some some acting scholarships. I think is what I heard. Um, nice. I don't know the details because I was like, well, research. <laughs> I'm not making the two dollars a month on Patreon. <laughs> what do yeah, I right. Um, but uh, apparently, like he's he's left. Um, you know, uh, he is fondly remembered in his home state of Tennessee and or Kentucky. Well, it seems like anyone who would have met him or even seen him on TV. Um, fondly remembers Jim Varney and the work that he's done. For more um, earnest news and insights, <laughs> I'm I'm amazed because I mean I thought you know, Ernest Goes to Camp is a beloved movie from my childhood, but I have not talked to another person who likes it or <laughs> knows about it. That said, when I was looking up just you know just doing cursory background information on this. We're doing one episode about Ernest Goes to Camp. There are two podcasts dedicated to Ernest P. Worrell. Really? There is, yeah, there is an uh, importance of seeing Ernest. Oh, I uh, and, and the, Yeah, and there is Ernest Goes to Podcast. And there's a short on, you know, the importance of being Ernest. Huh? Um, and there is also a documentary that people are making about the Ernest character. There it's he's he really, you know, made an impact. Wow. Amazingly. That's yeah, wow, it's kind of crazy in 2020 Ernest still lives. Yeah. So, we should all be so lucky. Yeah. Know what I mean? <laughs>